Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. Good morning. Cameron, why don't you go ahead and make your way up here wherever you are. I think you're out there somewhere. Hey, we want to do something. We're coming to the end of our fiscal year. We want to take just about five minutes here and give you a quick kind of financial update on where things are, uh, because you guys give faithfully, and it's good for us just to be transparent and kind of pass that information on to you. Uh, but we want to just give you a couple year-end updates, and also want to let you know we've scheduled a, an online town hall coming up here in just a couple weeks, and uh, you can register for that online, and they'll give you the Zoom link. We're just going to get together on Zoom, and that gives us a chance just to share a little more detail and more information for those of you that want it, because I know when I say numbers, about 90% of you glaze over really quickly. And so this gives us a chance to break down a little more of those, but also a chance for you guys to ask questions and us just to have a conversation about kind of where things are and where we're going in the next year. So let me just give you a little bit of information. Our fiscal year runs July 1st through June 30th, and so we're coming on Thursday. We'll wrap up another year of our finances and our fiscal year, and we'll close that out. And we met with our finance team on Friday, and our finance team is Rachel Weber, Angela McBride, and Cameron Turner. Cameron's also an elder, and so they help... Uh, uh, kind of guide us and just keep us in check and make sure that we're not uh, making any crazy mistakes. Is yeah, that fair? That's fair. That's all fair. right. All right. Um, but we're grateful for their help as we seek to be good stewards of our finances. So let me tell you where we are. Where we are. Um, man, most of you remember 2020 and how crazy it was when the pandemic happened and the whole world seemed to come to a halt and things seemed to shift. Can I just tell you what's happened uh, from last year to this year? In 2020, 2020-2021 giving year, uh, we had about 349,000 come in. Uh, this past year, we had almost 100,000 more than that. And so, absolutely. Which, that, that just directly reflects in ministry and in what we're able to do and, and put that money into serving this church and serving this community and, and really what God has called us to do and to be about. So we're super excited about that. So let me just give you projected here in numbers. Uh, these could change if one of you, like, Decides you want to drop a giant check in this week, I mean like today, we'll still accept that for this year, but I'm just saying like these numbers could change if you do that. Other, But these are our best projections of where we think we're going to wrap up the year. Uh, we think income looks like it's about 447000 Expenses were about 435000 which puts us in the positive of about 12000 So uh, finishing the year in a strong place, and that's healthy. And um, we've had a great year, and can I just say we're incredibly grateful for your generosity. Uh, we really don't take it lightly. Um, this, this enables us to do everything we do as a church. And so we're, we, I just want you to, to know how grateful and how appreciative we are that for each of you that gives. Our church gives incredibly faithfully. Uh, those of you that call this place home continue to invest in the ministry of the church. So as we look forward to the next year, we're getting ready to, God willing, move into a new building as soon as we possibly can. And as we do that, I'll just be honest, there's this tension between us of going, let's just take every penny and throw it at the building because we want to get in the building so badly. But we also know that being a good steward means we need to build a people, not just a building. 
And so we also want to invest in our ministry. And so there's a little bit of a tension as we look at our numbers going, how do we do everything we want to do here, but also make sure, I mean, we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We're caring for you, building you up, making authentic disciples of Jesus, helping people wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ and staying true to our vision. And so that's kind of the thing that is, is on our hearts. And so even as we're looking at the building, we actually want to grow our budget this year. We want to invest in our staff. We also want to invest in our kids' ministry. We want to invest in our student ministry. We want to invest in our discipleship of adults. And we want to invest in, uh, in our, uh, our creatively and purposefully being able to engage our community, engage our culture, uh, kind of on their terms and go to the streets of our people and answer the questions people are asking so that more people meet Jesus and come to faith. So that's kind of a heartbeat and what we want to be, uh, what we want to be about. So in addition to that general fund, I also want to say we've got a home fund, and the home fund is what we call the, the capital campaign that we're doing to, to, to build out our, build our new future home in downtown Edmond. And so we're super excited about that. But this year, you guys also gave about $380,000 or $360,000 to our home fund in the last 12 months. Um, so that's a re- remarkable move, and we're super grateful for that. Uh, so... Obviously, there's, there's, there's two balls we're kind of juggling here, obviously, our, our normal giving, but also the home. So let me, let me also give then kind of a, an, an update where we are on, on, on the building fund and, and on the building itself. Um, you know, as we go through this, I think you can just imagine what it'd be like if you were going out and making a big purchase for, you know, another home. And it's a dance, right? I mean, we've got, uh, as it relates to the building, is we're in a time period right now where we're facing some headwinds with additional elevated cost, right? And so what we were doing, what are we are doing with the elder group, with the building group, with the finance group is trying to combine all of that to do what we think is right for our church, what the Lord wants us to do. And so we're just trying to figure out what that dance is like, because as, as you can imagine, getting into any place, there's, there's so many there's so many wants, and we got to figure out what's a want, what's a need, and what, what we can afford. So right now, we're working with the builder and the architect trying to figure out, you know, what, what can we do with the funds that not only that we have and that we're looking to have, um, and what, what's, that, what's that right mix look like? What's, because we're kind of dealing with some of the stuff of what we have and some of the stuff that we know will be potentially coming in, and that's kind of the next thing is we've got about 167 remaining on pledge accounts, pledge amounts that we have not received yet. So I just, uh, I guess I would ask you to continue to pray, uh, continue to think about what your timing might be on like, be on that. Uh, for those that have not um, done pledge cards or maybe new to the church or maybe want to readdress that, we just ask for you to, to think about that, pray about that. Um, and, and if you have any questions um, as it relates to the building, as it relates to the home fund, as it relates to pledges, um, come see any of the staff, come see in, uh, the elders, to talk to someone on the finance team, Angela or Rachel. Any of those people can help you with that, but we just ask you to continue to think about that and pray for that. Absolutely. Um, I also want to let you know we continue to reach out to lots of people in our community. Um, I'm meeting with people almost every other day in our community and just telling them about what we're doing, asking them, sometimes multiple people a day, and just inviting them to be a part of this. We actually had $10,000 come up from friends in Dallas this week. So there's people that believe in what we're doing as a church that are investing in us. And our heartbeat is that everyone who calls us home is also investing in us. And so whatever that looks like for you to sacrificially and, and purposefully just pray and cheerfully 
be able to jump in and say, man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in this space and want to invest in that. We want to invite you to, to partner with us in that process as well. Um, I also just want to ask for your prayers. A whole lot is happening in the next month. We are meeting with our architect and builder to try to figure out how we can scale this so we can get in the building as soon as possible. Um, and then we're also uh, meeting with, over the next month, the design board and the city council, so they'll vote on our project. Um, we're making decisions with uh, finances and kind of where we want to be with the elders and the building team. Um, and, and so just a whole lot's happening. So please, uh, would you just continue to pray for, for wisdom? Uh, we'd be good stewards of all that God has for, for faith and courage to step out and believe, uh, but also just for, uh, for patience, uh, to trust the Lord's timing with all those things. And, uh, and mostly, would you just pray and bang on the door of heaven and say, Lord, you led us here. Would you, would you open the doors to that building? Because we really want to be there and, um, and to seek him. So, uh, Cameron, I think you're going to pray for us and sure. kind of go ahead and do that for us today. So maybe we all just bow and pray with you. Yeah. Awesome. Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for this day. Father, we thank you so much. We live in a country where we can freely come and uh, worship you. Father, I pray that you uh, continue to be um, with us during, during and on this path that, 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 that we are on and in finding a, a permanent home to, to meet in, to worship you, uh, to fellowship with other believers, to reach out to those in the community that, that, that need a Savior. Father, we... Uh, as we began this process, we, we said that you would just open doors uh, where you will and close doors uh, where you will. And Father, I just pray that as we continue to go down this path, that we are continuing to seek your face. Uh, Father, I pray that you be with the building team, the finance team. I pray that you be with Jeff and all of us as we are uh, talking about our mission in this, this, new, uh, this new place and, and how we can, we can uh, glorify you in that and how that we can reach out to those that, that, that don't have a Savior. Father, I pray that you be with each of us individually as we, as we think about this uh, new place and as we, we think about what we can do individually. Uh, Father, you know, we know that you um, have called us to be um, a part of this church, a part of this body, and I just pray that you uh, search each of our hearts as we, as we continue to move forward. Um, Father, thank you for what you've done to date. Um, Father, we know that none of this uh, could have happened w without your hand upon it. We just ask and that you continue to have your hand on, on this process. We, we ask that you continue to have your hand on our hearts and our minds as we move forward. And I just pray that you will bless um, every step of the way as, as we continue to move forward. Father, thank you so much for what you've done. And I pray that we continue to seek your face throughout this process. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cameron. Um, man, can I, let me just say this, and as we're, just as he was praying, I just, I want you to know how excited I am about what's, what the Lord's leading. Like, I've got increasing conviction and clarity, I feel like, every step of the way as we work through this process, as the Lord shut some doors a couple of years ago and then opened the door to this building and, and provided for it. I've just, I feel like we've got greater clarity. But at the end of the day, my hope is not really in me and my ability to discern and navigate the future. My, my hope is ultimately in the Lord. That we're trusting his steps. We're trusting his provision. Uh, we're trusting him because he's a heck of a lot smarter than your pastor. And he's a heck of a lot smarter than your elders and your building team and your finance team. And so we're, we're asking him and we're, we're trusting him. And we're also being as wise as we can along the way and doing the best we can. Uh, but I just want to say this out loud. God has already done amazing things. 
you know, 2020, when we started a capital campaign in the middle of a pandemic, we like put a goal out and we just didn't think we'd get it and we exceeded it. And we, at that time, had a goal for a number of a building and said, man, if we could just get there, that would be incredible. Do you know we're already $250,000 past that number? Like we're already, we, we, God's already provided more than we thought he could do two years ago. And so we just keep taking the next step and we keep trusting him to open doors and, and provide for us. So uh, let's jump into Proverbs. You with me? All right, let's go Proverbs chapter four. And we are going to look at the whole chapter, but we're not going to read the whole chapter because that would take a long time. Um, but here's what we're going to look at today. The best way for us to navigate life is to have our hearts fixed upon wisdom every step of every day. Uh, that's where we're headed. That's what we're going to be talking about. And so we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4 together, and we're going to start reading in verse 11. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of wickedness is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. So today we're going to give you three things that we see in uh, Proverbs chapter 4. And as we kind of walk through those are, we're going to talk about how to get started in wisdom. And we're going to talk about how to advance in wisdom. And we're going to talk about how not to lose your way. So how not to get lost along the way. In verses 1 to 9, we didn't read them, but it actually starts off in, uh, like so many of these early Proverbs chapters, it starts off and talks about wisdom from a father to a son. And so it says, uh, hero sons, a father's instruction. It actually goes back and he points back and says, when my father taught me this, and now I'm teaching you this. So you, you see three generations that are represented here. And that's uh, key for a couple, of, a couple of reasons. It's ancient wisdom passed down about how life works. And if you live with wisdom, uh, basically the, the way Proverbs approaches it is, if you live with wisdom, things generally go well for you. If you lived in foolishness, they tend to go wrong for you. And th those aren't promises per se, the way we think of promises when you get to like a New Testament theological promise or a promise about, God's, about Christ's return or a promise about the forgiveness of your sin. Those are truths that we bank on or promises that we can completely depend on. Oftentimes the things that Proverbs puts out are principles for the way life typically works. But let me ask you this, do you guys ever know any good people that have stumbled, they're stumbled and fallen down? Any of you know people who are evil, who seem to thrive and always go up and to the right? 
So, so what Proverbs is saying is not, I promise you that evil people are never going to win, and I promise you that good people are always going to win, but that over the course of the long haul of your life, the people that walk in wisdom are more likely to live whole and flourishing and thriving existences amongst the, the world. And those that, that walk in folly are more likely to trip and fall down. They're going to eventually get themselves in trouble. And uh, we tend to see that played out in the course of our lives. And so this is part of what, what Proverbs is talking about. It's also saying something important when it talks about these three generations passing it. Do you know the, the greatest way that you learn wisdom is through relationships? The, the best way we can grow in wisdom is actually through kind of life-on-life relationships with people that we trust that are walking us forward in the way. Now, here's the problem. A lot of us don't have grandfathers and fathers that were very wise, and so we look at it and go, I don't know how that works for me. Well, there, there's good news for us. That's not the only option. Sometimes when you look at just the generational cycles, some of you have inherited a cycle of foolishness. But you know the good news is? You can stop it. And you can say, no longer, I'm going to begin to develop a cycle of wisdom in my family. I'm going to bring a new day to my family. Uh, but for those that were given a cycle of wisdom, the, the goal is to continue to allow that to flourish. And so what we want to do, what wise people do, is they, they stop the, the cycles of foolishness, and they develop the cycles of wisdom in their life as they go through the course of their days. Uh, but you notice what it says in verse 7. Uh, it talks about wisdom, and it says, if you can get wisdom, get it, get it as much as you can. Uh, wisdom is, is, one guy said, what, what it takes is not brains or opportunity, meaning it's not to the smartest of those who are most well off that gain wisdom, but it's a decision. He says, do you want it? Then come and get it, come and get it. I love verse 7. Uh, it says, <clears throat> the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Uh, it's funny to me, this, probably, this may make some of you nervous, but I always hear that in Johnny Cash's voice. You know the song where he talks about get rhythm? Anyone know the song? Keep going. You know the next line. That's the only line you know. See, that was my problem. That was the only line I knew too, was get rhythm, right? So when, but when I read this, every time I read get wisdom, I just hear Johnny Cash. Get wisdom. You know, but I, I can't get my voice deep enough. So that's a problem. But uh, it's funny to me, verse 7, because it's just so blunt. The beginning of wisdom is this. Go get wisdom. Whatever you get, get all you can get. Uh, the word get there is actually another term for buy. It's a financial transaction. So it's saying uh, whatever, whatever it is that you buy in life, make sure you buy wisdom. And it says prize her, cherish her, fall in love with her. Actually, the word could mean cuddle her, which just sounds a little creepy. But uh, we're supposed to cuddle up next to wisdom and really prize her. He says, if you prize her, she will prize you. If you honor her, she will honor you. And she will put the victor's garland wreath upon your head as a, as a victor in the race of life. She gives you the wreath. So it's a gift that we can receive. And that's the secret to truly being alive in the world. So how do you get started in wisdom? Everyone say it in the voice of Johnny Cash. That's, what you, that's how you start. So once you start, um, then we turn and look in verse 11, the next paragraph. We talk about how do we advance in wisdom. Uh, verse 11 talks about the way of wisdom. Verse 14 talks about the path of wickedness. And it sets up these kind of diverging paths that go two different directions. It says you have to choose. You're at a fork in the road, and you choose which path you're going to run down, foolishness or wisdom, wickedness or wisdom. And Proverbs continually comes back to this metaphor of walking on the path of life. When you walk, each step is a decision that you make. 
And so moment by moment, step by step, you're making decisions about what you're going to give your life to, what you're going to pursue, where you're going to, where you're going to lead. And uh, ultimately, our lives are established when moment by moment, decision by decision, step by step, unfolds the path in front of us. And that determines really where we head. Now, it's interesting in verse 15, it says, avoid the path of the wicked. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Uh, let me just ask you a question. How many of you want to be wicked? Like, it's the wicked witch of the West, right? Like, none of us want to be that, that woman. Like, none of us want to be the wicked witch of the West. So, so why is it that Proverbs has to tell us, avoid it, turn away from it, run to it? Because if it's repugnant, you're not going to chase after it, right? So there's something that's, I think, subtly implied here is, is why do we need to avoid it? Why do we have to turn it away? Is because it's not repugnant to us. It's actually attractive to us. The path of wickedness doesn't look evil or wicked. It actually masquerades as, as truth or freedom or happiness or joy or, or the ability to do that which you want to do. It, uh, it, but it all turns out to be a fraud. So let me just tell you this. You don't sin because it's painful and gross right? Like no one wakes up in the morning and goes, I want to do the gross thing and I want to go run into sin today. No, it, the problem is that sin looks appealing. It's that it actually looks attractive to you. You want me to switch? All right, popping off. Maybe more ways than one. No worries. All right, now I got to talk with one hand, so this is going to get interesting. Um, but here's the deal. We, we have to avoid sin and evil because, and turn away from it because our, our, there's some part of who we are that's attracted to it, that wants to chase after it, that's tempted to run after it because it looks satisfying and good. And so we're enticed by its attractiveness and deceived to believe that it will actually lead us down a happy road. Now, if evil was repulsive, repulsive we wouldn't need to be told this. Uh, here's what, uh, what we have to realize. The marketing departments know this, Correct. Um, any of you follow the, the trajectory of the last couple of years of vaping or e-cigs? You know, you, you, the, the studies came out that 97% of youth used e-cigarettes or vapes that were candy or fruit flavored. Now, why did you create a cigarette that was candy or fruit flavored? Because it was appealing. It was attractive. It sounded fun. It was another way to get a little bit of that, that sugar high, except that it was even a better high, Right. And so if 97% of them did, they eventually outlawed some of those things, but they're still doing dances around it. So you have uh, menthol ones are okay. So now it's like, well, let's get a minty menthol that still tastes sort of like candy. And so, I, and, and I don't know a ton about this world. I just know what, what you read in the papers and the way it all works. But it's something that marketing understands if you get them young, if you make it attractive, if you make it cool, then they're going to jump into this thing, and that's been proven. And so we've now begun to try to set laws to set boundaries on the way in which companies can do this. Now, here's the thing. Most of us probably think, well, yeah, that's kid stuff, but I'm not, I'm not really going to fall for that. I'm, I'm a little too, too sophisticated for that. But do you realize that our world is the same thing with worldviews, with intellectual ideas, with philosophies and politics, that we dress them up in pretty dresses and make them look attractive uh, we, 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 we surround them with, with slogans that sound incredibly positive. Like, who would be against that? Right? Like, uh, you know, it's like, I'm not against, uh, I'm, I'm not against love, or I'm not against, uh, I'm not against freedom, or I'm not against truth, or I'm not against, uh, I'm not against everyone's, uh, you know, valuing of people. But we come up with these things, and we dress them up, and we create uh, holidays to celebrate different things, and we, we dress them up to make them look attractive. 
and we continue to invite people in. In universities, it's fascinating, are our specialists at this type of kind of intellectualizing wrongheaded ideas and justifying immorality in the name of freedom and independent thinking. Uh, but in the end, these roads, these lead to, to dead ends. The, these roads don't lead us where we want them to go. Look at verse 16. Um, verse 16 says, For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong, and they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. See, evil looks like freedom, but robs you of sleep. That's anxiety. That's angst. That's ultimately addiction. Sin becomes compulsive. Uh, one man said, uh, we become evil-holics. Um, uh, to, coin, to coin a term, that, there, that once you, you start to enjoy something, it's hard to turn it off. And so you just keep running and keep running and keep running. And here's the trick, is once you've built a philosophy and, a, and an understanding and an entire uh, kind of marketing uh, ploy around it, it makes it easier just to propagate and to continue to further and continue to dispense. Um, going to just quote a lyric from a song. And I'm not sure that I'm using. I'm going to use this the way they would, but uh, I thought this was fascinating when I read it. Uh, Drive-by Trucker's song, What It Means, said, We're living in an age where limitations are forgotten. The outer edges move and dazzle us, but the core is something rotten. Uh, I think it's powerful because there's a recognition that in the myth of progress, that we are more sophisticated, more advanced, more progressive, more uh, developed than, than our ancestors and than, than the time of the scriptures, that somehow we've moved beyond that. But even in that, somehow it's not made us better people. It's not made us more loving. It's not made us more caring. It's not made us more whole. Uh, it's, it's actually created greater anxiety, greater stress, and greater tension. And so it's not led us where we go. It robs us of our sleep. Uh, this speaks to our drivenness. The compulsive need to design ways to take advantage of others, to bring others down. We're controlled by the need to position ourselves to get what we want. And it's this insatiable appetite that continually needs to be fed. You notice that evil here becomes a duty that they must fulfill. They're enslaved to it. I cannot sleep until I've figured this out. And so there's this sense in which their servitude to a greater master until their work is done, even so they can't even rest at night until they've served that goal. Verse 17, eat they, that they eat the bread and drink the wine, meaning they nourish their hearts by carrying out the plans they designed during the night. So they lay in bed all night designing, designing ideas of what they want to do, and then during the day they execute that plan, and it's a way that they nourish themselves. It becomes a regular diet of doing these things. Did you notice that he compares evil to a food that's regularly eaten? Sin's always hungry for more. Sin is looking to devour you, um, Scripture says. So here's, here's what we have to do. We have to choose the path that we're going to go down, whether we're going to take, uh, w- what path we're going to take with our lives. Verses 18 and 19 give us kind of a, a, an powerful image, I think, to think through. And it's the image of light versus dark. In the Scriptures, light speaks of this kind of internal, uh, in- internal wisdom that illuminates the way of, uh, the way of wisdom in life. Or, and it also speaks to an external divine revelation. So kind of wisdom within that's illuminated because you've trusted the Lord and walked with him and grown personally. But then an external revelation of the Lord that shines light on that which is true. And, and that's what scripture means when it talks about light. And when it talks about darkness, it's the absence of those things. So it's lacking a, a, the light of wisdom within. And it's lacking divine revelation that guides you from the outside. And so these are the two paths that we have to choose for between. And they're also the context in which we have to live life. 
Let me ask you this. If you're trying to navigate the difficult world in which we live, do you want to walk in the light? Or do you want to walk in the darkness and stumble over things you can't see? I remember when I was in high school, we were coming to just before playoff time. And some of us decided to go play capture the flag at night. And one of our starters uh, sprained an ankle. wonder why. Because we were running through the forest at night when we couldn't see, which was really dumb. And I tell you how happy that made our coach. Um, that was not a good day. We had to go to practice the next day and explain why one of our starters was now injured going into a big game. And, and it was because we were dumb enough to run around in the dark and stumble over things and get hurt. That's what the, the passage is trying to say, is that when we walk in darkness without wisdom, it's like being that kind of foolishness. Now, here's the thing. Out of the static experience of deep darkness, there's danger, confusion, there's constant bewilderment about how to get to head. It's fascinating. It says they stumble, but they don't know why or how. It's people that they don't actually get where they want to go in life, but they're confused by it because they don't have the divine revelation that they need to, and to inform them about what's happening. So it's momentary happiness that lead, leads to eventual tragedy. Then you look at the other dynamic of morning dawn. It's a completely different picture, isn't it? I love this picture. It's the, it's the, the, the cracking of light breaking into the darkness. And then it gradually increases so that it becomes brighter and brighter until it gets to full day. And in full day, what it's meaning is that, that you eventually will get to a place where you have total revelation from God and you see everything clearly within, underneath his care and his light when we're finally saved in that, in that full day. And so this is a path ultimately of wisdom that we want to walk on. And, and what we see is it, it ultimately requires an all of life kind of all in commitment. It's not primarily about don'ts. It's actually more about what we want to do. If you look at this last section of verses 20 to 27, uh, here, here's what's going to be interesting. It's going to run through a list of uh, kind of body parts and reactions of what, how we live within those. And really what it's saying is it's kind of like a medical inspection for your health. Uh, you know, any of you love to go to a physical and just wait for like what bad news you're going to get? Uh, when you get to be my age, you just, when you go, you're, you're not just trying to like, what do I get to go play my sports or something like my kids get to do? You're going like, uh, what am I going to get in trouble for this time? And so when you go, you show up to get, get this assessment. And that's kind of what's happening here. It's a spiritual assessment of your readiness to walk in wisdom. And so it walks through this kind of like a personal trainer when they sit down and go, well, what are your goals? And how do you do in this area, in this area, in this area? It helps you evaluate where you are. That's what this, uh, the next few verses here in uh, Proverbs 4 do. Look at verse 20. Uh, it starts off with the ear. And in verse, uh, it, when, it's, when it talks about the ear, it talks about listening. It says, incline your ear. The old folks used to say, oh, let me bend your ear just a little bit. Meaning, uh, I'm, I got something I want to say and I need you to listen up right? And so incline your ears to bend your ear to wisdom that you might absorb as much of it as you can. And so uh, and then you get to verse 21, it talks about sight and, and sight deals with seeing. Let me, let, let them never escape your sight. Do not lose sight of the goal. Uh, the New Testament later says, keep your eyes on the prize. And so with your eyes, fix them on where it is that you want to go so that you don't get lost. But you didn't notice there's a, the next phrase there is interesting. It says, Keep them within your heart. Uh, heart sometimes can be uh, translated mind. Sometimes it's kind of this, the core or the center of your being. Uh, but what it's talking about here is the things that you hear with your ears and you see with your eyes, internalize them and bring them somehow deep inside. 
So take the things that you observe externally and internalize them. Keep them within your heart. And uh, this is actually how we grow in wisdom, isn't it? We watch life, we observe, we notice what's happening all around us, and then we, we draw lessons from that and we internalize it. Uh, there's actually probably a reference here to the Ten Commandments. Uh, when Moses, when, when God revealed the Ten Commandments and wrote them on the tablets, they were placed in what was called the Ark of the Covenant, and they were stored there within the Ark, uh, the Law of God. And there's probably a reference to that here that's saying, take the wisdom from God and store it within your, the Ark of your heart that you might treasure them and make them your own. It's observation about the realities of life and then internalizing that. Friends, wisdom takes kind of a dogged relentlessness to the, the routine facts of life. This is the way it works. And to come back to that and to trust it and to walk in it. Um, I've got a picture here I wanted to show you of the Grand Canyon. You know how canyons are formed? It's, the, what's that? Water and air. It's the dogged, relentless pressure of water and air that passes over them time and time again that forms and shapes who they are. It's the same thing with us. As we invite wisdom to come and exert pressure upon us, and as we incline our ears to it, as we observe it with our eyes, that shapes and forms us over time as we continue to give ourselves to it, to it and, and molds us into people of wisdom. Now, the next uh, phrase that you see is at, at the center of this list. So you start off and it goes, uh, it goes eye, uh, ears and eyes, and then it's going to go eyes and hand. And at the very center, though, of this list of body parts is what? It's the heart. The, the thing that's going to drive it all. The thing is the wellspring of life. So verse 22, it says, Wisdom is life to those who find it and healing to all their flesh. And so ultimately, what is wisdom about? It's about your, your thriving and doing well. It's about your wholeness and your flourishing and your healing uh, to all your bodies. And when it's saying bodies, it means your whole person. So your, your psychological and emotional and personal and physical you, it's that he's going to heal and do that when you walk in wisdom. It actually brings life to you. Verse 13, 23, then it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Vigilance is like a soldier on alert in enemy territory. So keep your heart watched like a soldier on alert in the midst of enemy, enemy territory, that you're constantly attentive to it. Now, here's the thing. When it talks about your heart, you notice what he talks about. He talks about it, that it's a, it's a spring that continues to flow. Uh, which way do springs flow? Is it water going in or water coming up? Springs are, in, are, 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 they flow out, right? So there's something that water is drawn out from a spring. And so what it's saying from your heart is that things move from your heart outward, that ultimately your heart drives your life, that your heart determines where you go in your life. And this is not some passive or superficial church attendance. It's not just obligation to follow all the rules. The, you understand that the wisdom that Proverbs is bringing us is so much bigger than that? It's saying, no, I want you to have this spiritual vitality and life and fullness and flourishing that wells up from within you and bubbles out into all of your life. Friends, when we talk about wanting to help people wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, this is what we're talking about. See, Christianity is not just a set of rules that we have to follow. It's not just a set of, uh, a set of uh, kind of policies we adhere to. It's not just a service that we attend. It's not just something that we need to check off the list that we fit in the right categories in the eyes of the world. Christianity is ultimately about a relationship with God and trusting His wisdom and allowing Him, by His Spirit, ultimately, to birth wisdom in us that brings life to us 
that bubbles out into every area and arena of our existence. And so what he's saying is that your heart directs your steps. Your heart is ultimately the thing that is going to guide you, and your heart is going to affect uh, your, your hands and your feet and your eyes and everything else about you. Uh, so we're going to come back to heart in just a minute, but let me, because it's the rudder that steers the ship, but uh, let me just run through a couple more of these. Verse 24 talks about the mouth uh, speaking, put away from you, meaning, uh, and put far away from you, which intensifies its speech. Uh, it's supposed to be right and true. Crooked speech is that that diverts away from that which um, is true and right. The words and tones come out of our mouths sometimes that reveal a heart problem, don't they? If our words, Jesus said, come out, eh, what, what comes out of us is what defiles us, not what goes in, Jesus says. And so ultimately, it's, uh, these things reveal sometimes that there's a heart problem going on, something in here that needs to be addressed. Our eyes, he talks about looking, he says, gaze at wisdom. Our eyes have an insatiable appetite for stimuli, one guy said. Um, and so don't let your eyes wander to something else so that it would attach itself to something that ultimately won't satisfy you. Proverbs 17, 24 says, The discerning sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. Meaning, fools look everywhere else to find life, but you never get to the ends of the earth, do you? No, you don't know, you're never satisfied. You never reach the, the end goal there. You're constantly chasing and pursuing, but never achieving and never reaching the destination that you want. And so fools are constantly looking, but never getting there. So we're called to put our eyes forward to gaze straight ahead. Verse 26 talks about walking. Um, uh, one guy said, the succession of steps by which vision is turned into action demands practical planning. Meaning, it says, it says ponder your steps. How often do you stop and think about the direction your life is going? The steps you're taking, where it's going to lead you. And ultimately, you want to aim every step of every day. Uh, think about that word ponder. The best picture I know of, of ponder is a statue that we all recognize. Um, uh, it may feel a little bit like navel-gazing to think about pondering your steps like the thinker. Um, but ultimately, this is what we're called to do, is think about where you're going. Think about the trajectory of life. Think about how this decision and the next decision and the next decision are going to lead you. And think about the end that is, uh, that it, where it's going to take you. Ultimately, that's what it's about. What's he talking about? He's talking about self-awareness, isn't he? That ultimately, are you aware of your life and what's going on on the inside and how that's driving you in a direction and where it's leading you to go? So uh, that's really the second area. Let's talk about the third one. So how do we not lose our way? If we got started on wisdom and we've advanced some in wisdom, how do we not lose our way over time? Ultimately, that's going to come back to the heart. Uh, this is where the whole passage focuses. How, how we don't lose our way is we don't lose our heart, which is why it says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Watch over your heart. Guard your heart. Do not let it go. Vigilance speaks to our alertness. It's our focus, our attentiveness, our awareness, our, 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 our sense of remaining alert to the things that are going on inside us. And ultimately, we have to each choose which direction we're going to go. But hearts of wisdom always choose the path of healing and the path of wholeness. So here's what I want to do as we kind of try to, how do we apply this and how do we figure out kind of what does this look like for you and me in the nitty gritty stuff of life, right? Uh, because we could probably all just say like, we all want wisdom or wickedness. Which one do you want? You want wisdom? Raise your hand. Everyone be, yeah, see, that's not hard, right? And so you want to advance in wisdom. You want to like, okay, I'm going to run after it. I'm going to get wisdom, Johnny Cash. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to run down that path. I'm going to try to grow and advance in it. I'm going to trust that as God reveals more to me and I get greater light and the dawn, the dawn kind of opens up, that I'm going to continue to walk into the, the light that I have and continue to move down that path. 
But how do we know then if we're really watching over our heart, how our heart's doing? Can I just give you some ways that maybe that, that might reveal where your heart really is? And then maybe these are some questions I just want to ask that help you keep watching your heart and help you think through this. Let's talk first about spiritual health, spiritual drift. When you wander spiritually, how long does it take for you to return to the Lord? When you wander, is it a day? Is it, is it a month? Is it a year? Is it a decade that you run away from the Lord before you come home? And we want to be those who, when we start to feel like we're moving away from the Lord, we quickly run back to him. If, you're, if, if those paths seem longer, it might say there's something wrong here. Sensitivity to sin. Are you callous to sin or does it bother you? Are you sorrowful over your own sinfulness and the things that you do? Do you feel the weight of them? Scripture in the New Testament talks about yielding to the Spirit. It talks about grieving the Spirit of God and yielding to the conviction of the Spirit and walking in the fellowship of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. Are you sensitive to the relationship you have with the Lord and how close the Spirit is with you. When you think about your wholeness and the holiness of your lives, are they increasing over time? Are you growing more, more stable in the Lord and in your faith as He increasingly develops and sanctifies you? Let's talk about personal health. Uh, this is going to get rough. Uh, are you open to correction? How open are you to feedback from others? That's not just affirmation. Um, are you defensive when someone points out a mistake you've made? Do you have the ability to admit your faults? Or are you more likely to blame shift and focus on someone else's mistakes rather than own your part in the deal? I'm not going to talk about marriage there because that gets too close. Uh, are you driven with a, with a desire to win and succeed? Are you, do you have this kind of compulsive need to run after more, to, to, to continue to make progress and to continue to grow? Or are you living out of a, the freedom of a calling that's not driven? Do you have a resilience that bounces back after being stretched and stressed? Do you have a sense of the purpose of God in your life? These are all ways that we can tell us if we're walking and growing in the path of wisdom. Let's talk about emotional health. Um, do you refuse to create emotional earthquakes that rattle everyone around you? You guys know what I mean by that, right? Because we all know people that create emotional earthquakes that cause everyone around them to, to quiver a little bit and shake. Do you have freedom from control of your emotions, the ability to differentiate from them and redirect them so that you're not, uh, you're, you're not a slave to your feelings? Do you fixate on hurts and wrongs that you've suffered or can you let things go? Or does your mind get stuck in repeat mode, replaying the things someone did or said? These are hard. Uh, do you listen to wise counsel from others, or do you pull away and isolate yourself whenever you're not sure what to do? Do you seek friends who will help bear your burdens and ask for help? That's actually a sign of health that we need. Relational health. Do others want to be with you because you're a life-giving presence? Maybe a sign that you're walking in the way of wisdom if they do. Uh, do you have a willingness to, to overlook offenses and minor de uh, deficiencies in other people? Are you constantly pointing out the faults? Do you build yourself up by tearing others down? Do you have the ability to forgive others? Or do you, do you keep short accounts? You know what I mean by short accounts? So when we offend someone, we build up a debt. And just like in your checkbook, if you build up a debt or put something on credit, and then you put more on, and then you put more on, it just increases over time, and, and exponentially so, eventually. We want to sh keep short accounts. 
wise people go to someone quickly, resolve conflict, forgive, and move on so that there's not a giant debt to try to overcome in the end. Do you have freedom to enjoy and appreciate others for who they are, valuing their differences and uniqueness? I think that's an important sign of health for us. Uh, These are just some ways. I I just, as I thought about what does it look like, I wanted to give you some practical ways to think through whether you're walking in the way of wisdom. Uh, can, Can any of you use wisdom when you think about that list? Yeah, me too. Uh, can I give you some good news? Uh, the good news, uh, I think, that, that we need to know in this is that ultimately there's grace. That ultimately in Christ there's grace for every time we fall short. But grace, is, it, grace accepts you where you are, but doesn't leave you where you are. God wants to transform us. He wants to change us. He wants to move us in a new direction. That's why verse 18 says, The light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. See, if, you're, if you belong to the Lord, if you by faith have trusted the Lord, that means you are, he's placed you on a path of wisdom. Do not run away from it, but walk in it. Learn, learn to run after him, and as you do, he will continue to dawn brighter and brighter on you until the day when you go to be with him, and he brings wisdom to its fullness in, you, in your life. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if I was going to give you one verse, let me end with this. If I was going to give you one verse to memorize from this section of Proverbs, it would be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This is what we're about. Ultimately, it's a relationship with the Lord. Our, our, our running after wisdom is not so that we measure up, not so that God accepts us, but because we trust him. And because we know that he loves us, we know that he cares for us, we trust his ways. And so we want to grow in his ways and continue to walk in them uh, throughout all of our life until we go to be with him. So let me, uh, let me give you one more quote that I think is just helpful for us because um, when I look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, sometimes it's intimidating. It says, trust in the Lord in what? All your ways. In all your ways acknowledge him. Um, none of us do that completely, do we? We all fall short. Uh, I love what Augustine said. He said, um, I couldn't look at the sun directly, meaning... It was so overwhelming to look at God in all his glory that I couldn't get there. I I couldn't look at the sun directly, but I could look at where the light fell. So friends, maybe you can't trust in the Lord with all your heart yet. Maybe you're someone that's like, man, I don't know how to get there. I'm getting beat up and I'm not sure what to do. Can Can I just encourage you with this? Walk where the light is. Trust the light that you can see. And you may not understand everything there is to know about God. You may not understand everything there is to know about your life. You may not have total self-awareness of what's going in here. You may not even be able to articulate it. But here's what I know is God will give you enough light that the dawn has broken. And in that light, you can take another step forward. And then you can take another step. And then you can take another step until the full day when you're with him. And he's made it all clear. And that's what we're called to do. So let's take steps together. Sound good? Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, I pray that you give us wisdom. Johnny Cash, voice wisdom. Father, and that, um, that, we would get, that we would get wisdom, that we would run after it. Father, we would treasure it, that we would honor it, that we would seek it, that we would trust you and trust your wisdom for our lives. Father, not because, um, not because we could earn your love, but because we trust your love and we want to honor you. And we know that your way is best. So, Father, help us to believe that deep in our hearts. Help us to trust it. Help us to walk in it. 
Father, for your, your glory and for our good, for the good of our city. Amen.